0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Building Success, a real estate podcast. My name is Nick and I will once again be your guide as we talk to some of the best and brightest in the worlds of real estate tech, operations, and financials from across the globe. This podcast would not be possible without listeners such as yourselves. So if you like what you hear and you want to hear more of it, please consider liking, subscribing, reviewing, or commenting on this podcast, wherever you listen or view said podcast. And we'd love to hear any feedback as it helps us make this show much better, hopefully for you, the listener. On today's episode, I speak with Shlomo Chop, who has founded uh, Shopfulfill, and with that, creating the first Shopfulfill shopping center known as Anchor Shops. And we dive into digitally native vertical brands and some of the concepts that his team is revolutionizing in terms of how these brands go to the retail space, ways that they can manage uh, product over space. We've talked a lot about retail in past episodes, and the focus has always been predominantly on how to best utilize the space. Um, here, it's it's talking a lot more about how you utilize the products that you have, how you store them, how, how you can really bring a model to market where you can minimize your actual footprint of space and therefore actually saving money on the real estate portion of of the business model. So something kind of completely novel and a different way of, of looking at how brands and retailers can get into the space and maybe get a, a start into, into that market from a physical standpoint. So really innovative discussion, um, really interesting topic. So I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here is Shlomo Chop. All right, I am here today with Shlomo Chop. Shlomo, how are you doing? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm, I'm very well. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Um, and before we dive into the topic, um, which, which revolves a lot around digitally native brands and going to the, the physical space, I wanna, I wanna start with a little bit about yourself, your background, and what brought you to uh, founding Shopfulfill. Well thank you and
1: I appreciate you having me um, so I started out in selling commercial flooring then kitchens to landlords in New York City okay and eventually I transitioned over to real estate tech at the time of the Palm Pilot okay I was out selling a software for real estate brokers to organize their their you know to organize their contacts, their listings, their bank quotes, etc. cetera. Um, did a lot of that and got into the brokering and flipping business and ended up being the guy around the table that said, let's not buy that property because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, while money was, you know, was flowing from the lenders very easily, you needed some restraint. And I ended up doing a lot of advising and in 2009 at And I got into the debt restructuring business, and the way I did it was I just literally read every part of of the CMBS trust structure Mm -hmm. and came up with a very counterintuitive but extremely effective method of restructuring the stress debt for commercial real estate owners. And it revolved less around restructuring the debt, more around a business plan for the future of the property and then dovetailing it into how how, um, a lender needs it to look in order to make a deal with you. Um, And while the market was going at a 25% clip, give or take, on restructuring in favor of the borrower, we exceeded that, you know, I don't know, for sure more than double that, Mm -hmm. which was uh, very, very successful. And uh, following the, the decline in the distress, which now is starting up again, and I keep on getting calls from people that have distressed properties and issues with lenders, Yeah, but um, after that, I went into the investment side and bought a couple of properties, and then I took a look at what's going on with regards to industrial properties values have skyrocketed. It used to be people told me you can't do industrial on a retail site because retail real estate is too expensive. All well, that's changed, yeah. but the problem behind the industrial increase is that it, there's a bunch of digital natives that are making money that are fueling that increase in value, and on the retail side, It's just hard to make an investment from a tenant improvement perspective into a um, new retail space when you look at the retailer and you're really not confident that they've mastered their digital frontier. So, uh, that brought me to getting to um, working on Shop Fulfill. And... um, we're looking to tackle that space, not only to solve problems for how do we get the guys taking away the business from the big chains into the space that the big chains previously occupied, but also um, how, do we, how do we get these digital natives to be able to be pro- not only be profitable, but be able to expand without having to raise more money than
0: is available out there based on business models that are unprofitable today. So um, that's my background. Which is which is really interesting, and I'm, I'm excited to dive into this this whole digitally native brand kind of becoming the new future of retail. And it's it's so interesting from my point of view to see that there's almost this shift where you know people moved away from the physical space, and now they're starting to kind of move back into it but not necessarily under the same model of having, you know, large inventories on site. And I think that's where the shop fulfill model starts to come in and, and play ball. And I was hoping you could kind of dive into what that model is and how you set that up. Thank you. So um, there, there's one underlying, underlying theme
1: that I think gets ignored too much is that historically, the large chain store was where you went to buy a product and you trusted they would have the product that you've had. Um, a lot of these brand- retailers have become a bit complacent in the product offerings, and uh, startup companies have come up with really cool, and unique products, products that look better, products that feel better, products that are better for you. And as a result, they've taken away market share from, from the retailers because they now have this magical tool called e-commerce. You don't have to open up a store and spend a crazy amount of money see, or, or go on a shelf with a wholesale model. But rather, you could open your e-commerce website and you get to go. The challenge with that is that while you get easy top-line growth, you could grow your sales, but over time, you need to get more customers. And because you're not in a physical area, you need to go online and fight for customers on Facebook, Instagram, Google, etc. And those customer acquisition costs are just so high. Mm. And then the, what you get in return, they call the lifetime value of the customer. So the, what, what ended up resulting on what's happening now is that because everyone's competing for that space on these social media platforms to drive top-line growth, then your customer is never safe even after you get them. So the lifetime value of that customer is, what is, is too low as compared to the investment you're making. And then you've got to find a way to get, them, to get the, the product to them in a, in a quick manner, because that's the reason they'll shop with you online because they won't have to wait too long for it. Immediacy in retail still exists. And the total cost of that sale, you end up losing as a loss leader on the first few of them. And ultimately, if you don't keep your customer, you're having to reacquire the same customer over and over and over again. So so you see is this transition to um, product discovery being online, but yet so many of these stores online are not in your local mall. Yeah. and the cost of getting into physical space is too expensive because you usually have to take a space larger than what you can support for your limited selection of product. 2,000 square feet for 20 products is a little too big, more than a little too big. To build out that space could cost you anywhere between 100 to $200 a foot, um, and you usually don't have the credit to have the landlord agree to give you money to offset some of that cost. Mm -hmm. So, it's very difficult for them to get into physical space, and physical space has been the specific elixir that a lot of these digital native brands have found to lower the customer acquisition costs, where, you know, there have been digital native founders that have said when they opened the physical space, the payoff in that space exceeded social media payoff in spades. So, how do you, as a digital native brand with a cool product that people want to buy from you, get yourself into a space that was formerly occupied by a retailer that you put out of business, tangentially put out of business, yeah. um, and, um, and didn't have a product that was cool. Um, you know, the challenge is also that a lot of the REITs, a lot of the, the mall owners, they provide you with four lines depicting the four walls of your space and say, here, go to work, and you need to build out a whole staff to just figure this thing out. Um, and, and then even if you're able to figure it out, the next challenge is getting the product into the store. So having a store with no stock on the shelf means I've just spent all this money to build up a store, I spent advertising to bring you into the store, and then when you come in I'll say, thank you so much for coming, please go home and buy it online. So not only are you, waste, are you somewhat wasting the cost you know, that you've spent over here, um, you do get awareness out of it, no question, but you could have had a sale, and instead you don't have a sale, but also you're asking them to please let me send it to you via shipping, and if they don't like what they got, you are paying usually for return shipping as well, because that's the customer expectation that's been established by Amazon. So getting product into the store to actually capitalize on all that expense is a major challenge from a fulfillment perspective. So historically, you fulfilled the stores differently than you fulfilled online, which means you have to have double the amount of stock or an increase in the amount of usual stock you would have. So someone has to come up with a path to be able to allow you to get into a store with no real upfront cost. You don't have to go raise capital to expand your company. And even once you expand your company, the profitability challenge still remains because you have the logistics expense that's still there which means someone also has to find a way to give you an easy path to lower your logistics costs. So what will that look like? So what we've come up with is a way to provide brands with a turnkey solution. You get into a shop, it's not too big for you, there's no real upfront cost, you pay us on a month-by-month basis, and we also handle your logistics, meaning we drop down fulfillment centers in every major market. And around those major mar- around those fulfillment centers, you have eight to ten shops. And these shops are curated with multiple different brands. And we're not purveyors of space. We're purveyors of product. Mm. We sell great product adjacencies. We sell a cool brand next to an up-and-coming brand as well. And what we then do is put stock on the shelf from the same pool of stock in that fulfillment center, in that market that's used to fulfill the online order. The net result is we cut your logistics cost by up to 40% and you're speeded up by about up to 60%, in some cases even more, and we allow you to expand across a massive amount of stores without any real upfront cost. So you don't have to give away any part of your company
0: and you're able to accelerate growth drastically but also profitably. And what's cool about that is that you have this ability now to to have that face-to-face interaction. And while you were talking I was I was thinking of the different kinds of products that would be really applicable to this model. And it's interesting because when when some of these digitally vertical or digitally native vertical brands kind of started coming to market and you know some some malls are starting to show these these businesses they're, you know, they don't have big inventory in some of their places so they are working on this shipping model. Um, which, you know, in many, many ways, it's funny how the consumer now they, they don't want to have to wait for the, the three to five days for you to ship it from their, their corporate inventory center. So it's, it's, it's funny how things start to get real cyclical and come back to the fact that a ultimate consumer wants to be able to maybe see and touch the product, but then they want it as soon as possible too. And now these digital brands have to figure out how to balance those two different models. Right. Yes, I agree with you 100%, and back to one of
1: the first points I made, which is, had these new brands not had superior product, and just let's say would have been Macy's decided to open an online shop, you probably would have gotten to the right ratios immediately, right? You'd say, okay, 30% in store, 70% online, there's integration online, offline, et cetera, and stores like Macy's and like others provided they work on their product selection and make it interesting and cool, and it's not a, just in stores, not rack them high and let them fly, but rather you have a carefully curated selection and your inventory is managed properly, the amount of SKUs you have, it's no longer, like I must have a crazy amount of SKUs, I could sell so much. The question is, how many SKUs could I have in store to entice people to come and shop at me and be loyal online? That that would have worked. Yeah. But the problem is, you know, underlying, there's a product problem in the market right? There are, there are digital native brands. The ones that don't have a good value proposition product wise, they don't do well. It's not like, hey, all these cool up and coming brands, they do so well with bad product and therefore putting the, the incumbent guys out of business. No, they got superior product. You got, these guys are product experts. They're not retail guys. And now they just need the help to be able to, to replicate their online success and put it into store and at the same time what we're able to, do to differentiate ourselves between just someone that opens a retail as a service shop is actually provide them with a way to not only increase their sales via in store and cut their customer acquisition costs in store but also by cutting their legacy fulfillment costs and the, the most underrated part of our of what we're doing is the lack of fragmentation too often solutions in in any business, right? It's like, okay, we have problem X. Oh, great, I know a piece of software that solves 85% of problem X. Well, how do we make it 100%? Well, we got this other piece of software that solves another 40%. Hold on, I'm at 130, right, 120 right now. How do I trim it down so I don't go in and, and make this a problem? Let's get another piece of software to lay above that. And all, <laughs> underneath all of that is your antiquated system. So these are fra- the fragmentation of these solutions ends up in the situation where they don't talk to each other properly, um, they're not streamlined, and it just costs you more money. What we're doing is providing a turnkey solution where let's take our first market, South Jersey, Philly. A, a, brand, open, a brand opens up within our ecosystem in South Jersey, Philly. That market is what we call a forward stocking location. It's a self-contained ecosystem. It doesn't infringe upon the brand's existing infrastructure and, say, change anything you got. It actually, um, it actually just foc- it works on its own, improves, improves that specific market on its own, and the brand does whatever they do otherwise across their larger national um, strategy, obviously over time as we add additional markets. That transitions, we actually become that brand strategy. And ultimately, on the shop fulfill ecosystem, a brand has infrastructure that rivals any of these retailers in their payday and the infrastructure they had at almost no upfront cost, the balance sheet. you know you you don't have to make the upfront expense, and you don't have you don't have um, amortization issues or depreciation issues with regards to your expenses as well and allows you to be much more
0: nimble. And much more responsive to the to market forces. So, so let's talk from the perspective. I like that you mentioned kind of the first the first shop here, the the anchor shops. Can we can we go through a scenario? If you're a new digitally uh, native vertical brand, you've you've decided to work with with anchor shops. What does that process look like? As they, as they move into their space, how, how do they work with the fulfillment center? Could you kind of maybe give a, a really, maybe a layman's view of how that would, that would work from them as a retailer? I'd be glad to. So let's say you're, I don't know, you're um, digital native
1: one, let's call it, to be, to be very creative over here. Uh- <laughs> and we approach you and we say, hey, you know, you have a really cool product. You have a great Instagram following. Product works. There's excitement around it. I know you're having some trouble growing because you know, going out there raising capital is a challenge. Here's what we'll do for you. The first thing we're going to do is just talk to you about our Philadelphia, our uh, South Jersey Philadelphia-based fulfillment center and say, do you know that from that location, we could fulfill your e-commerce orders from as high up as the Hudson Valley, New York, and as low down as the border of North Carolina, meaning you cover New York City, philadelphia and dc i could fulfill all those orders for you next day at a price at a at a price of ground ground rates mm-hmm. that's the first thing i could for you furthermore i know you've been looking to grow your business and you really were looking into stores um obviously it's expensive you know if you wanted to open a 2,000 square foot store and you have to spend 150 bucks a foot you know the math is what the math is right and you got to raise that capital and you really want to grow and out position your competitors as well to have penetration within the market that you you keep your market leading position that you're establishing in a very small way right now so what we can do for you actually is give you a shop in our shop side by side with other brands that also have the pull that you do and we'll keep it stock so that's still be profitable right because Many of your competitors, they're doing these no stock or low stock stores. And it's funny, Sears has profitable stores on a store by store basis and they don't. Yet they're way more of an exciting proposition. So we can actually put put a product in the store. And the way it works is as follows. You have, let's say you have 20 products, right? Of those 20 products, four products are hot products. They move very well and they sell any day of the week. The remaining 16 products are good products. They fill out your, your offering, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to take those four really cool products, put them on the shelf in our shop. Let's say it costs you, I don't know, five, 600 bucks a month to do it. That's your, that's your exposure here. And we're going to take the other, the rest of your 16 products plus additional of these four, and put it in our local fulfillment center. Now, don't give me too much product, because if you give me too much product, then it's going to sit in my fulfillment center. You have better use to put it you know, somewhere else in the country to ship it from your, your primary fulfillment center. Um, and I don't want to store it for you. I mean, Amazon does the whole storage thing and charges you for it, but I don't want to store it for you. So I want to be able to have product positioned, ready to go and ready to sell. And then in the store, we're actually going to be able to help you with payroll with, with, uh, with people to sell your product. Now, whereas if you were to open a store, you can't split people in half. But our one person in your space, or two people, in your specific part of the store, part of the anchor shops, that works on, your, on selling your product, they handle multiple brands at the same time. And not only that, they actually can help bring shoppers to your brand because it's one checkout, right? Some of these retail service models you may have considered, you know, you've got to check out by every single brand. This is one checkout, of course, space. So we're actually empowering you to gain by matching products from another, from another brand in there. So let's say you went, someone else decided to buy a shoe and you have a sock brand. Well, we'll say, you know, we'll go really great with that company. Let me show you what this brand has from the socks perspective. So we're gonna grow and push sales your way. So now you have this shop in a shop and you have this fulfillment um, center as well. Now how this interacts is that after that shopper comes and buys socks off the table, um, then there's one less stock to sell. And after another shopper buys another one, pretty soon you're running out of stock in store. Because the fulfillment center is nearby, we constantly replenish. We run a milk run every night. We got these sprinter vans, and every evening it brings all the stock for all the brands within anchor shops, and it replenishes it. So you're sharing resources, whereas if you had your own store, you wouldn't be sharing resources. So again, another, another besides for payroll, you're sharing resources on the logistics side as well. And furthermore, when you get an order online on your website, and it happens to be someone in that region from up in the Hudson Valley to down to North Carolina that's buying one of your products, and you want to get it to them at a cheaper price than what you're doing right now, fulfilling from your fulfillment center, let's say in, I don't know, Southern California, or Dallas, or even Ohio, well, we have this little integration that plugs into your Shopify system or Magento or WooCommerce or whatever it is you use for your e-commerce um, web platform, and it then routes all the orders in that region to our fulfillment center. So now this this region that I mentioned from Hudson Valley down to North Carolina, we got it covered. We got it covered from a retail perspective in the Philadelphia and, and South Jersey, Central Jersey region. And we got it covered e-commerce-wise, so a wide swath of, of the country. And now you not only have brought in customers in the Pennsylvania market and the South Jersey market, you've also been able to cut your costs on logistics. But it gets even better, and I feel like an infomercial now, right? The way there's more. See, here's where it gets better. We're using a combination strategy of, Coverage um, and penetration. So coverage means we want to be able to support a large part of the market, right? So, like I said, the Hudson Valley to North Carolina—that's that's the UPS ground next AV around. It's very simple. It's it's what they do. It's how they deliver it, right? We obviously have cheaper costs than you would because because our because we deliver a lot more than you do. Um, we're partnering with Campus Logistics, yet one of the biggest logistics companies in the world, but. Here's the deal, we actually, um, we have something else that's called a penetration model, which is within the Philadelphia Jersey market, we don't open one shop, we open 10 shops. So you're going where, you know, Exton PA, downtown Philly, Monmouth County, New Jersey, Princeton, even like down in in, uh, Delaware, in that, piece, in that area where we open shops, you're taking, let's say, I don't know, 50 square feet to 250 square feet in each of these shops, right? Yeah. Whereas usually you take 2,000 square feet in each location. You now spread that 2,000 square feet across, I don't know, 10 shops or maybe even more. You won't now have a shop. Remember, you're a digital native. You've got nothing except product. You don't have a lot of money to invest. So it's month to month. But you now have... A presence in every single major drag across that market who could compete with that cheaper fulfillment product awareness you can walk it out returns and then pick up you know the concepts like happy returns are really great because they they, they take a lot of the pain and the you know what out of it mm-hmm. but you can't buy something after you return it exchanges you actually in our scenario you can actually buy a product and walk it out. So you have the coverage and you have the penetration where now
0: you will be the company for socks in that region bar none. And what I love about this too is there's a, there's a sense of community involved with some of these, these retailers, right? I mean, you're one example, with just the socks, and then the shoe company. But there's no reason why some of these organizations couldn't layer their products with another organization's where there's really good fits, and actually spread that across to you know the entire the entire group of shops to really create a place and an experience for the ultimate consumer too. And it was it was funny because you started that example with. Um, with saying that they had a big presence on social. And I I feel like a big piece of this from a consumer standpoint is that there's so many different trendy brands or up-and-coming brands that they may know of, but then they can also discover all in one place. And it almost becomes as much of a social exercise for them as it becomes a shopping one.
1: Yes, you're 100% correct. And I've spent too much time on Instagram but hashtag# collab, right that's like the whole thing you call it a collaboration between between one brand and one designer, right? and that's something that really really is key, and and the product adjacencies are are key as well and And it's you know when when you look at bringing these brands in, you have to be very careful to make it an experience and a destination that brings a shopper in if it's, if it's phony, if it's not genuine, right they'll see right through you all right and 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 you need to you need to do things you know to establish that community right so all these brands and retail talks about how do we keep shopper loyalty gain shopper loyalty it used to be given five points and 20 points gets you a dollar right mm-hmm. now it's now it's no now it's about we actually carry product you care about whether it's whether it's a sustainable product, whether it's a resource product, whether it's cruelty-free, whether it's vegan, whether, whether there's, there's a story where we give 20% towards whatever good cause. And, 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 and these, are, these are points where, and where, you know, if a large corporation says we give towards a certain cause, unless the CEO of the company had a personal experience with it and implemented it, they see right through it, right? But these smaller brands, their stories. Everyone that's an entrepreneur, almost every entrepreneur in digital native has an experience, right? For me, for me, you know, I come from a background. I want to help employ people that don't have a proper education. I dropped out of college, right? I, I want to help people grow because there's so much raw talent out there. That's just my personal and anchor shops and shop fulfilled and not you know, have this as a, as a mission statement in any way. I'm just giving you an example. But different, different brands, you know, they have a purpose. They have a reason. They don't just create shirts to just to create shirts. They create shirts out of, out of you know, ethically sourced, um, you know, fair trade from some foreign country where they then use, use the, some of the money to give back to people that are creating the shirts to help put them, put them through college, right? There's a lot of different things. So that's extremely, that's extremely important. To be to be genuine, and to create a community, um, and and one of the first things we do um, in assessing a brand is researching their background, researching their values, researching what's the story behind it. Right? There's got to be a story, um, and and that's imperative. But I, 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 you know, I'm just on on another point that I think is important, being that you know we're talking real estate primarily. I think the model for retail real estate, um, has to change in a big way. So let's, let's analyze what real estate's about. I give you four walls, right? And here's your space, go figure it out. If you want some money towards building out the space, you credit, no problem. We'll give you some money towards it to entice you to come in. But real estate, retail real estate has to transition to a service model. You cannot, you cannot just assume that everyone has a full real estate company, real estate department within the retailer to do what they need to do. You have to be able to say, I know you don't know anything about retail real estate, right? Which a lot of these guys don't. They're product experts, right? And I know that you're raising capital to get into stores and you're hiring consultants to get you into stores and all that. Let me take you by the hand and walk you through the process. Let me give you attractive terms on a lease where it's not a long-term commitment. Let me, let me help you design your space in a more cost-effective way so you don't have to hire five different consulting companies and spend who knows how many hundreds of thousands of dollars to come up with a prototype. Let me help you. And, and a lot of these retail com- um, real estate companies have people on staff that can help with this. And it has to go from a, a lease line perspective to a hand-holding perspective. And only that way could you take, could you, could you, see the growth cycle that we're trying to card, which is come into our shop with two SKUs on the table. Two SKUs is, um, is basically just uh, products, right? To mm-hmm. so two products on the table, grow to 10 products on the on on display, grow to a shop and shop, and then eventually we're glad to put you into your own standalone store on our infrastructure if you want to be there and you'll ever have to invest. We want you to grow because you can't still 130,000 square foot vacant J.C. pennies with a bunch of food and beverage concepts. You can't fill them with a bunch of digital natives and, and have it make sense. So that's extremely important. On the flip side, you also have to be cognizant that there's a lot of digital natives out there that know they're in demand, and some wall owners are literally just giving them whatever they want and not holding them to a commitment. So that's why for us, we have an attribution model we have we track shop the products in store that are sold and to who and the products that are sold online we have as well by connecting those two we then empower the brands to better have to have better visibility to what their shoppers are actually doing and then we enable them to grow and therefore it's our belief once these brands come in with us and their service we're providing them if they attempted to replicate it on their own it will be way more expensive even than it costs us because we could spread the expense across so many different brands, they would have to do it on their own and sort of try to reinvent the wheel. So it's imperative not only for retail real estate to understand how these brands need to be catered to, but also to essentially become incubators and accelerators of these brands and understand that unless you wanna own them and create your own brands from scratch, which is something that some retail real estate owners are looking at, and there's been some news on that, You need to have them focus their resources to enhance your property because your property value only comes from its foot traffic you could offer to the brands, which comes from the brands being there, generating the foot traffic. So that's just something I wanted to add. That I think retail real estate has to take more of the hotel model um, and even maybe to a certain extent, to a certain extent, the WeWork model Mm -hmm. than the pure lease
0: line model. And that's that's exactly what I was thinking about when you were talking is the the WeWork model and creating space as a service in in the office space. We've seen so much about that. And and quite frankly, it's funny because before I start talking to you today, you know, the the digitally native vertical brand, I've seen how that's starting to evolve and some some big retail shops, how they're starting to carve out spaces for for some of these brands. But in your instance and and what's what's interesting about your model too is you're talking about these up and comers more so than in many of these big shopping malls i feel it's it's these already very well established brands who already have a big digital presence just trying to find a way to manage their inventory and yours relates very similarly to to a lot of these you know even open air markets in big cities where there's these small you know entrepreneurs or new brands and viability is really difficult, especially when it is just some foot traffic, maybe once a week on a Saturday in a park. And in many instances, you know, they go there and they're not able to sell as much as they may be able to on a on an Etsy or with a Shopify account online. It's almost like a whole new avenue of the retail sector that I don't think has been touched by tech yet. Yeah, I think I think you're you're spot on. Um,
1: I, I think I think though that. What you need to add, what needs to be added to it, is the fact that it's not digital and it's not physical. It's really a store, right? So, you know, uh, there are there's this uh, there's this new concept, Carvana, right? Mm-hmm. Carvana se- sells cars online. They also have the physical you pick it up. It's almost like a the like a vending, um, a vending
0: machine, vending
1: machine, right? Yeah. But if I ask you what's Carvana, you'd say, hey, it's it's a car dealership, right? It doesn't make a difference that they're selling in a different manner, right? They're a car dealership. And yes, they're a really cool car dealership and have a great value proposition. Um, But ultimately, what is a digital native brand? A digital native brand is is a retailer that happens to be usually a manufacturer as well. But a digital native brand is a retailer that started selling online, but it's only half the business. Right? Or, or Well, it really comes down half. Even though sales may be higher in one channel versus the other, they're, they're equal parts, right? Mm-hmm. So it all comes down to being retail. So it's not about having a silo online or offline. If, you're, if you don't have both channels built out properly, you're essentially not operating a, a solid retail business. You need to operate a solid retail business. And, and by combining the two, you're finally tapping into all your sales channels. Um, and, that's, and that's where I think digital natives have perhaps an easier path to doing it, especially with us, but putting us aside. Digital natives have an easier path to selling in stores than some of the incumbent stores have to selling online. Because there's so much, because the, the, because the ones that are digital, they're nimble and they're small, so they can adapt. The ones that are in store, they have so much infrastructure in place from like old antiquated POS systems, old antiquated data systems, and and warehouses that's on their balance sheet, for them to change, it's so difficult. So they actually have an advantage, um, and it's just a matter of of being able to blend the two. And whereas it would seem that it would make sense for some of the incumbent retailers to to, uh, collaborate with some of the digital natives, What's happened, unfortunately, and this is, I think, so prevalent and it really it, it bothers me, is that the guys in the retail real estate and in the incumbent retail business, they've thrown out a lot of what they believe about retail, real, retail selling retail in a physical sense and said, well, the way, the way to the future is digital. And the guys in the digital are like, oh, this just doesn't work, we gotta get into physical. And it's like two, two shifts passing in the night and each one of them is suffering. The the digital guy is trying to become profitable. The physical guy is trying to to sort of you know stay profitable long term or you know as a, as a losing market share. And, and I'm just you know without without a model that sort of takes the infrastructure off their hands, um, it's almost as if both sides are heading to a, a to doom almost. And and that's why I feel so strongly about what we're doing is because we we're, we're, we're giving them a plug and play solution to grow um, and to build their business
0: as well as cut their costs. And I love that. I love that, you know, and, and this has already been explored with these digitally native vertical brands, but you know, they start digital and then they realize that they, they need to have physical presence, physical space. You see these physical retailers and they've all started to shift and have digital models. And really at the end of the day, It's about what's best for the consumer, and they want both, and they want to have those options. And this seems like such a great model for being able to make that possible, um, regardless of even regardless of where you come from or how you how you try to start this this um, you know a retail business in general. So thank you, Shlomo, so much for the time. What what's new with you? What's the what's the future beyond anchor shops?
1: Well, the shop fulfill model um, scales in a very big way. A localization model, which is what we are, um, that actually has demand, which unfortunately a lot of physical retail does not, presents us with a massive amount of opportunity to grow the shop fulfill infrastructure. Um, We're building technology, we're building um, concepts upon what we're doing, Um, but that's, as they say, well not the best is yet to come because every every part is just as good but we we will be um growing in many different in many different channels um touching a lot of different components of the retail supply chain um which includes the retail experience and i'd say just you know keep keep watching us and you know we'll uh We'll be continually uh, innovating. We are, you know, we actually have a strategy for what we're doing five years from now. And the reason we have the strategy is because that's where I started, and I actually brought it. I brought it down a bit to focus, laser focus on the digital natives as a start. But mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of growth here, and there's a lot of different concepts
0: that we're employing. And I, all I'd say is just keep watching us. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Shlomo, for the time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it as well. And until next time, we will catch y'all later.